saw a lot of you singing that prayer song while he played. That's a good prayer for us to be praying, uh, praying for our country. Thanks for choosing that song today, Brother John. Would you find Revelation chapter 13, please, in your Bible? Revelation chapter 13, while you're turning there, I want to share a couple of prayer requests with you. Um, I received a text from Brother Frank Hall today. Many of you have met, I think in the last few months, Bill and Van Childress. Uh, Bill and Van sit right over here, usually in front of Frank and Vicki. Uh, Brother Bill has an LVAD like Frank has, and uh, he woke up this morning, and, and he, was, he was very weak, um, very weak, it's, um, uh, and that's be- because of the heart condition he has. It's a, his heart's wearing out. Pray for Bill Childress, if you would, and then I'd also, I mentioned to our church on Wednesday night, um, one of the police departments that I serve as a chaplain with, we have a, a young officer by the name of Hunter Donahue. Uh, Hunter is 27 years old, I think, 26 or 27. And um, this last Monday, they found a very large mass on the right lobe of his brain. And um, he's going to be having an MRI tomorrow to get some more questions answered, Lord willing. And then in August, he will have surgery to have this removed. And it's going to be quite an involved surgery and the recovery time. His wife is 38 weeks pregnant with their uh, second daughter, and so I and Kaylin grew up in our church. Uh, Hunter's wife grew up in our church, so their family's kind of close to to me. And so I I would ask you to pray for the Donahue Hunter and Kaylin Donahue family, and uh, I have told them that we would be praying for them. They are on our church. Uh, they are on our church's prayer list now. Um, the doctors are fairly certain that this is a malignant tumor that's growing. And so he'll probably be looking at uh, chemo and radiation following surgery. And so that's the tentative plan right now. But I certainly would appreciate your prayers for him, and I know they will, uh, they will appreciate your prayers as well. Let's, uh, let's look at Revelation chapter 13. Um, you know, we, we've spent some time here talking about uh, the Antichrist. You almost feel like you're walking on unholy ground, don't you? Uh, there's those passages of scripture where God says, take off your shoes, you're walking on holy ground. And I feel like when we're, we're spending this much time on Antichrist, uh, it's unholy ground. But the truth is, God has put all of this in his eternal word for a purpose. And that purpose is for you and I to know it. I heard a, I heard a Christian lady one time say, um, I just don't, I don't do much with the book of Revelation. Uh, and I was like, well, I, I didn't know that we got to pick and choose. Um, you know, I, cause there's some of those Old Testament prophetical books I struggle in, you know, so if we get to pick and choose, well, the truth is we don't. And so even though this is not holy ground we're going through talking about, uh, these folks, I, I want you to keep in mind, God, God has given us this information for a purpose and on purpose. So let's, let's glean from it what we can. I'll remind you what I told you this morning that Satan is an imitator. He is a pretender. He, he wants to be God. He wants to be worshipped like God. He goes after it. And in, in an example of that this morning, I mentioned the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity. Tonight we're going to look at the third person of that unholy trinity. It's represented by Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. We've talked a bit about Satan in the book of Revelation. We've talked a bit about the, uh, about the Antichrist in the book. And now we are introduced, for the first time in the book of Revelation, we're introduced to this one who is called the false prophet. And in this passage of scripture, he is referred to as the second beast, and he comes out of the earth. This morning we looked at beast number one, who comes from the sea. Tonight, beast number two, from the earth. Um... These members of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, each have a specific purpose. The Father receives worship from his people through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the facilitator of that worship. He stirs up our hearts and he he infuses our minds so we know how to worship God. Each of the Trinity has its role. The unholy Trinity is the same way. Satan 
is going to receive worship through the person of the Antichrist, and the false prophet is going to be the one throughout the world stirring up people to worship Antichrist, and ultimately their worship is going to be delivered to Satan himself. So Satan, Antichrist, tonight we glimpse at this one called the false prophet, and he is the one who's going to guide the world's religion throughout the tribulation period. And I'll say this, the Bible says less about him than it does about the other two members of the unholy trinity. We know more about Satan and the Antichrist than we do about the false prophet. But what we do know about him, we are responsible to learn. Or what God says about him, rather, we're responsible to learn. So let's look at this. Let's uh, read just a few verses tonight from Revelation 13, verse number 11, and we'll read through verse number 15. John writes and says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven upon the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Let's stop right there. That's plenty for us tonight. Uh, what a what a bizarre passage of scripture. Um, the the power that this now this guy has. We looked at the power of the Antichrist today, and now this is a whole separate person, and yet his his power is is really incredible. And some of the things that he's going to do, Scripture says. Remember that the whole world is going to fall for this. The whole world's going to fall for it, except the Bible says those whose names are written in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. So let's pause for a moment, pray, and ask the Holy Spirit to give us understanding of his word. Jesus said he would be our guide into truth, so let's lean on the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts and our minds tonight to open up our understanding. What in the world is this guy about? And why do I need to know about it in 2023? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for uh, the details that you give us regarding the future. We don't want to just brush them aside. You put them in here for our knowledge and for our understanding, and we can't do that without you. You said that your word was a spiritual book. It is spiritually discerned, and our natural minds won't do that. Uh, The unsaved would look at a passage like this and have all kinds of crazy ideas that would be inaccurate because it's your Holy Spirit that helps our understanding. So that's what we're asking for tonight. We're weak vessels without you. We agree with Jesus that we can do nothing without him. And so help us, Lord, to understand this passage and then to determine what it is you want us to apply to our lives from it. We do pause tonight to pray for Brother Bill Childress and ask that your strengthening hand and your presence would be very real to him and Van tonight. And do your work of grace in him, we pray. I also pray for Hunter and Kaylin and their little girl and the little girl that's coming. And I pray that in these these days of shock and uncertainty, and I know they have more questions than answers, God, would you come alongside and make yourself very real to them? Help, Help that young couple to put their full faith and confidence in you through the valley that's ahead. You can, Lord, I know, give beauty for ashes, and you can do a great work here and get glory for yourself And I pray that's exactly what would happen. Help the doctors who are going to counsel them and treat Hunter uh, to use your wisdom as they proceed. Bless our time in your word tonight. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's talk about beast number two. He's from the earth. It says there in verse number 11, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. So let's talk about him uh, and start with his personality. The personality of this beast. It tells us in verse number. Uh, it tells us in verse number eleven how he looks and how he talks. So let's look first of all at how he looks. 
I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. Two horns like a lamb. Uh, like beast number one, I, I want to say this. This guy is a man. We made that point this morning, and it's important because a lot of people are confused about Antichrist. They think that somehow he's a supernatural being, and he's not. He's a man that has a human father and a human mother, and he's going to be empowered one day by Satan, but he's just a human. So is this false prophet that's coming, this false preacher, this fake Holy Spirit. This guy is a human being. He is a man. It says in verse number 11 that there is another beast. Do you see that word, another? We have one word in the, in the uh, English language for that particular word. It's the word another. The Greek language has two different words. One of them means another of a different kind. This word means another of the same kind. Well, what kind is the first beast? It says in verse number 11 that I saw this second beast. uh, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, another of the same kind. What do we know about that first one that we talked about this morning? He was a man. What is that telling us by saying another of the same kind? The second guy coming. He's also a man. That fact is proved by his fate. Hold your finger there and just flip maybe just a couple of pages over to chapter 19. Look what happens to this false prophet in verse number 20. Revelation 19 and verse 20. And the beast was taken, and that's the Antichrist, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. If he was just a spirit, that wouldn't impact. He's a man. His humanity is proven by the fact that he's going to be one day cast into this lake of fire with the beast, the Antichrist. Second thing about his appearance there is his horns. Did you catch that? How many horns did that, how many horns did that guy this morning have, the Antichrist? He had ten of them. Seven heads, ten horns. This guy has horns. Horns symbolize authority. They, they symbolize power, but he only has two horns. He has far less than that man this morning. It's because the Antichrist is the main guy. This is the backup. This is the guy behind the scenes. He has power, not as much as Antichrist. In the Bible, two is often the number of testimony. There is a, uh, there's a passage of scripture that says, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. The least, the least amount of witnesses that you can have in a Jewish court, is two witnesses to make the accusation stick. That's the number of testimony. This man is tied with his testimony. The the Antichrist has power because of the territory that he rules. He rules the world. We saw that this morning. All nations and kindreds and tongues. The false prophet has power because of the testimony that he gives, what he's going to say. Antichrist, ten horns. False prophet, two horns. Antichrist, ten crowns on those ten horns. False prophet, no crowns. The power is in the Antichrist. This guy's going to have power. False prophet's going to have supernatural power. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but not like the Antichrist. The Antichrist is, he is described in terrifying language. We talked about that this morning. Remember, he's described, he looks like a leopard and a lion and a bear and then a beast that the Bible says has iron teeth. He's described in terrifying language. But this false prophet, he's called a lamb. He is slick. The first beast comes as a powerful world ruler. This second beast comes, and he comes as a gentleman of faith. He is a kind, religious man. And he can can talk smooth. People are going to love him. He's not going to scare anybody at first. He is a he is a lamb he comes in. He comes on and he first appears on the world stage. He is meek. He's gentle. He's a servant. 
He comes talking about religion. He has a, a charismatic nature to him. He's just a wonderful person. Many of you have a face in mind that I do when I read about that. I can't help but think of Joel Osteen when I think of the false prophet. I just can't. Now, I may have ticked off a third of you or something, but there's nothing I can do about that. Antichrist is going to come. He's going to rule the world with brute force. But the false prophet is going to come in, and he's going to wield his power through a very pleasant personality. He's not described as a bear and a leopard and a lion and a beast. He's described as a lamb. Who doesn't like lambs? Who's threatened by a lamb? He's going to come in and it's going to be it's going to be interesting. This is how he looks. He comes in as a polished presenter of a religion that everybody can deal with. Well, let's get into that in a little bit. So, how he looks. Second thing, how he talks. I'll say this about him. You've heard that old adage, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Don't judge this guy by his cover because he has a beautiful cover. It is slick. It is full color. Um, it's attractive. Everybody wants to read this book. It's appealing. But don't judge him by his cover because how he initially appears is not who he is. He's going to have all of the outward appearance of a man of faith. But when he speaks, well, what does the end of verse 11 say? He's going to speak as a dragon. Who's the only one of the drag? Who's the only one that's described as a dragon in the Bible? Satan. So no matter how he looks and what words he's saying, you and I are cautioned. He's speaking the word of the devil. Doesn't matter how he looks. He looks like a lamb. Doesn't matter. What he's saying are the words of a dragon. And. The only person we have referred to as a dragon in the scripture is the devil, not even the Antichrist. Jump the Antichrist. It goes straight to Satan himself. This man's going to come speaking the words of the devil himself. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says this. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I don't care what this preacher is going to look like on the outside. What he says is coming from his heart. And he has a wicked, vile, evil, deceptive heart. And everything he says is to deceive his hearers into worshiping the Antichrist. And by way of the Antichrist, worshiping Satan. That's his, that's his intent. A religious man, but a religion of the devil. It doesn't take long to learn what a preacher believes. If you want to know what a preacher believes, listen to a few of his messages. You're interested in Faith Baptist Church and you're thinking, maybe this is the church God would have me join and serve and minister here and exercise my spiritual gifts here. Then go back on Facebook and look up previous sermons that I've preached. It won't take you long to figure out what I'm, what I'm about. It won't take you long to figure out, let me, let's go beyond me. It won't take you long to figure out where Faith Baptist Church stands when it comes to the teaching and preaching ministry. Because any of the men that stand behind this pulpit are going to go straight to the Bible. Here, we preach and teach the scripture. You come a few times and you'll figure out, it doesn't really do me any good to bring a Reader's Digest or some little Christian book from the bookstore. When I come to Faith Baptist Church, it's going it's to benefit me if I bring my Bible because that's pretty much what we're going to be doing. You build, you build on the word of God. Trying to figure out what preachers or teachers are up to and what they believe, here's a good rule of thumb. This is not going to be up on the screen, so if you can't remember this, write this down. Here's how you discern who you listen to on the internet. Here's how you discern the book that you pick up to read that says it's a Christian book. And shoot, I bought it at a Christian bookstore. So it's got to be Christian. Here's how you discern the preacher, the teacher, the author. See how much that person talks about the Lord Jesus Christ and mentions the name Jesus. Not God. Not the Holy Spirit. 
See how much that author, that preacher, that teacher, see what they say about Jesus and do they name him? Is he the center of their preaching or is he a byproduct? Is he or she selling some other idea or philosophy or religion other than one that is solely built on the person and the work and the word of Jesus Christ? Not God. Hindus will talk to you about God. That, that Jehovah's Witness will talk to you about God. Jesus. What do they say about Jesus? How often do they mention his name? Pick up their book and read it. It'll be chapter 6, 8, or 10 before you come across the name Jesus. And if you listen to them, you might hear them use his name in vain as a swear word. I'm amazed at the number of preachers or teachers or Bible authors or Christian authors that out here take the name of the Lord in vain. I would mark that person. And I'd stay, I'd stay away from him. So the personality of the beast, how he looks and how he talks. That's what verse 11 tells us. Verse 12 tells us not about his personality. It tells us about his power. The power of the beast. It says in verse number 12, he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him. Boy, that says a lot, just that opening phrase. What is it about his power? First of all, the source. It says he exercises the same power as the first beast. Where did the first beast, the Antichrist, where did he get his power? <clears throat> Verse 2, Satan. Where is the second beast going to get his power? Same place. He's satanically empowered. The source of his power is Satan. The world's going to think this is a man of God. The world's going to think that he is a great religious leader, perhaps the greatest religious leader the world has ever seen. They're going to be deceived by him, and they're not going to realize that he is just another agent of Satan coming to do the work of Satan during this time that we call the Great Tribulation Period. And by the time they figure out he's satanically empowered and inspired, it's going to be too late for them. We know that from up in verse number... Uh, ten uh, verses 8, 9, and 10. So the source of his power, it's Satan. His power is satanic. The scope of his power, what's he going to be able to do? Apparently a lot of things. One of the things he's going to do is he's going to facilitate a, world a worldwide religion that unites all the religions of the world under one banner. He's going to convince the world, listen, he's going to convince the world Antichrist is God and worthy of worship. He's going to uh, say that he alone should be worshipped. And the Bible tells us that people from every religion around the world, would you just stop and think for a minute how many religions there are? I mean, I don't know, nor do you, because even in even in the deepest tribes where we have no idea where they're at and what they do, they worship something. These missionaries that back 100 years ago got to these tribes buried up the Amazon River or finding them in the deepest part of the Congo in, in Central Africa, they find these tribes that have never seen a white person, never heard of a missionary, uh, they don't know about Jesus and they find them with some type of worship system. So I don't know how many religions there are in the world. But this false prophet's going to come along, and he's going to get all of them to take their worship and point it at one individual, the Antichrist. This is the scope of his power. People from every religion bow. Can you imagine today... Just think about the ones we do know. Can you imagine a Baptist, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Shintoist, an animist, a panist, a Wiccan, and let's throw in one we don't know. Let's throw a, all of the above. And let's just take those eight religions. 
how in the world could we get just those eight religions to worship one God? I'm not going to do it, are you? I'm not going to worship the same God a Shintoist does or a Hindu does or a Muslim does. I'm not worshiping that God. You're not going to worship that God. But when this guy shows up on the planet, he's going to be able to unite just not just those eight religions right there. He's going to unite all of them and pull them into a worship system that everybody's happy with, including the Jews. There's our eighth religion right there, Judaism. He's going to pull all of them together and they're going to worship the same God. Consider the problems that we find in the Middle East today. May I tell you this? The problems that are going on in the Middle East are not at all political. They are religious. They're not political issues. They are religious issues. And if you can get the Jew and the Muslim to worship the same God, you can get any two religions together in the world. And they're going to one day. They're going to come together and they're going to unite. We're trying to solve the issues over there. And every president we've had for the last, I don't know how many generations, well, since 1948, every president we've had since 1948 has sought to resolve the issues politically in that part of the world. But it's not a political problem. And that's why it's not working. Carter thought he had it. Bush thought he had it. Clinton thought he had it. They don't got it. They don't have it. Because it's not political. It's a religious issue that goes back to the days of Moses and Joshua. When the Israelites entered into Canaan, all of those Canaanites and Perizzites and Hittites and Jebusites and Hivites, all of those became the nations, they assimilated into the nations around them. They were all polytheistic and the Jews come in saying, our Lord is one God and the tribes just went at it. And they've been warring, not since Israel became a nation in 1948. They've been warring since Israel returned to Canaan after being freed from Egypt thousands of years ago. And it's religious, not political. This false prophet's going to show up with a religious solution to the Jewish-Arab issue. And it's going to be wonderful in the whole world. He's as slick as they come. Why are they going to, how, how is he going to be able to unite all them to worship the Antichrist? Do you remember what we said about Antichrist this morning? He died and rose again. He's going to be killed with a head wound. It tells us that in verses 3 and 4 of this chapter. He's going to resurrect and it's going to be wonderful. The, the, the uh, uh, false prophet is going to point to this guy and he's, and, and he's going to get them to buy into this. Look at him, he was dead and now he's risen again. They're all going to come together and they're going to worship him. The scope of his power is he has a wonderful ability to unite these people, to bring them together. It says in verse number 12, he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him or in his presence and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He's going to bring them together, and where it says before him, it's not talking about chronologically. It's talking about doing this in his presence. Antichrist and the false prophets, they are the devil's duet. They are doing his work hand in hand to accomplish what Satan wants to do. Remember, Satan's an imitator. Satan is an imitator, and the Holy Spirit's role is to magnify Jesus, and the false prophet's role is to magnify the Antichrist and bring them uh, and bring them bring the world to worship him. So here's the personality of this beast, how he looks and how he talks. Here's the scope, the power of his beast. He is going to unite the world. Third, there's the performance. In verses 13, 14, and 15, how does he go about all this? Boy, it's really something. Look at verse 13. How's he going to get everybody to worship the Antichrist? How's he going to unite all these religions? Well, he doeth great wonders. You may have a translation that says he does great miracles. That word means supernatural deeds. He does great wonders so that he maketh fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. The 
the first thing, the performance, is his miracles. He's going to be a miracle worker. He might imitate those he might imitate those miracles that the, uh, remember those two evangelists, the, the two witnesses back in Jerusalem? We haven't talked about them in a while, but they're miracle workers. Their, empower, their power comes from God himself. And you remember what the Bible said about those guys? If anybody tried to do harm to them, the Bible's very specific here. These two preachers in the city of Jerusalem who are preaching the kingdom, uh, the gospel of the kingdom, they're pointing people toward Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, if any come to them to do them harm. Do you remember this? Fire goes out of their mouth and consumes them. That's the craziest thing I would ever see on this planet, for fire to come out of the mouth of two men and consume people trying to harm them. That's crazy. And yet that's exactly what the scripture says. <coughs> what if these? What, what if the false prophet can imitate that? Because it goes on to say he will be able to imitate a miracle that Elijah performed back in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah prayed and fire came down from heaven and consumed an altar that was soaking wet. In fact, the Bible says the fire came and it licked up the water and burned up the dirt. And the Bible says that this false prophet can call, call fire down from heaven. What happened when Elijah, when Elijah called down fire from heaven? You remember 1 Kings 18? prophets of Baal and all that. Elijah calls fire down from heaven. What happened? Let me rephrase that. What was the response of the people when he called fire down from heaven? Do you remember? They worshiped God. He pointed their attention to God in heaven. What's going to happen when the false prophet calls down fire from heaven? They're going to turn. They're going to worship the Antichrist. That miracle is going to turn them. How, how is he going to do this? How is he going to perform this thing of uniting all the religions? He's going to do it through these miracles. <coughs> Years ago, I was in Las Vegas. I needed some extra money. So, no, just kidding. <laughs> I was in Las Vegas visiting my brother. And Matt took me to uh, Caesar's Palace. And there's a section in Caesar's Palace called the Forum. And it's a shopping area. And you go in there and the the construction of Caesar's Palace in that particular part, it's set up to make you think that you're walking down an ancient Roman street. So as you're walking, these shops are on either side. If someone blindfolded you, I'll say this, if someone blindfolded you and took you into that place and took, the, and took it off, you would not for one minute think you were inside of a building. The sky is, is a perfect replication or the ceiling, rather, is a perfect replication of the sky outside. Blue sky with clouds. There is a breeze blowing in there, and you cannot see any air conditioning vents anywhere. It's, it's like you're outside. You come to this one point where there's this, this fountain, and in this fountain there are these, I, I think there were three of them. I think there were three statues. And on the hour, these statues come to life, and they start talking about the doomed city of Atlantis. They're talking to each other and they're talking to you, the passers-by. And you're looking at that and you know, I know, you know, they're not real. But you're looking at that thinking, that's pretty impressive. Now, I was out there 20-something years ago with that technology. And those three statues, it looked very much to me like those statues came to life at the top of the hour and started telling me about the city of Atlantis. And I felt like I was outside on a sunny day. That was 20-plus-year-old 20 20 technology. Can you imagine what a false prophet will do who has the incredible supernatural power of the devil working in him? Well, that's what these verses, that's what these verses tell us about. They tell us that he's going to work miracles. He's working with satanic power. The whole world is going to be turned to worship the Antichrist through the miracle workings of this guy. The scripture says in verse number 13 and 14 and 15 that he deceives people on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do, saying to them, let's make an image of Antichrist. Now, he's not going to call him Antichrist. I don't know what he's going to call him. 
But he's going to say, let's make an, he convinces the world to make an image, an idol, a statue of Antichrist. And they do. And it's going to be an object of worship. And then the Bible says, his power is going to be exercised to give that statue life. It's not animated like Caesar's Palace out in Las Vegas. This statue, whatever it's made out of, marble or stone or concrete or plastic, I don't know. But it's going to be brought to life. It says in verse number 14, He convinces the people that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had a wound by the sword and did live. And he, false prophet, he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, And cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. This image, this statue, this idol, not only has power to speak, it has power to kill. If you don't worship this image, it has the power to kill. This is the power that he has. Antichrist comes along with all of the political answers. The false prophet comes along. He's got all of the religious answers. And everything is falling into place and the whole world's worshiping this one thing. Now let me say this. That may be hard to believe that the whole world will worship one person. Everybody today worships something. You worship something, I worship something. You worship someone, I worship someone. Everybody worships. But how do they rally all these people to, how do they rally all of these people to worship just this one guy? Can I just remind you briefly Can I just remind you the context that this is all taking place in? Three and a half years ago, millions and millions and millions of people around the world instantly and unexplainably vanished. And wars are breaking out all over the planet. And disease is killing people. And by the time you come to the middle of the tribulation period, the the numbers are somewhere around half of the world's population has died. The world is in absolute chaos. I mean, we've got chaos today, don't we? I mean, this is a tragedy that took place up in Baltimore over the weekend. It's a tragedy that's taking place over in France uh, here in the last few days. There's chaos today, but nothing like this. And two men come out and offer political and religious solutions that will put an end to all this nonsense. And everybody, except those who've trusted Christ as Savior... Everybody is going to fall into it, and they'll, they'll do it. They'll worship him. It's not hard to believe. I, I'm amazed at what some people will believe today. I, I found this story, and I think I shared this with you before. Out in New Mexico in 1977, there was a guy that claimed to see the face of Jesus in a tortilla. I remember this story because I was in I was in Bible college seven years later. They were still talking about it. He claimed to see the face of Jesus in a tortilla. He built a shrine in his backyard, encased the tortilla, and thousands of people over the next several years came through his backyard to worship the Jesus of the tortilla. Thousands, not like eight people. Thousands of people traveled. Number one, how in the world did they know what Jesus looked like? I, I mean, do he look like Jim Caviezel from The Passion? How do they know what Jesus looked like? But my point is, people will believe. Fast forward in the middle of the tribulation when the world's in chaos and you come along promising peace and healing, and the crops are going to come back, and we can stop all this fighting, and everything's going to be fine, and these plagues are going to stop. You promise all that? People are going to jump on that, not by the thousands. They're going to jump on that by the hundreds of millions or billions. They're going to follow him. They've got all of the answers. How do you explain, Pastor, the miracles that are seen today? When I was at Baptist Bible College, I worked in Cole's Clothing. It was a suit store. Mr. Cole owned the place, Jack Cole, he and his brother Ray. And um, Jack believed he had the power of healing. Keep in mind, I was a 19 or 20-year-old 
Bible college student, and it is amazing how much boldness or stupidity, one of those two things that 20-year-old Bible college students have. They think they've got it by the tail, and I did. I said this to my boss. He said, Mark, I was in a service one time where a man came and one leg was two inches shorter than the other. I put my hands on either side of his knee and prayed that that leg would grow. And he said, this way he said, I watched that leg grow two inches that night as I held it. He said, I could feel the fire in my hands. And he said, I watched that man's leg grow two inches. How do you explain that? 20-year-old Bible college student. I said, well, the Bible says that Satan will present himself as an angel of light. And I said, I do believe that Satan's in the world working miracles today to deceive people. And I didn't get fired. (laughs) I think that's exactly what I think miracles are performed today miraculously, but they have nothing to do with God. Now, God is at work in the miracle business, absolutely. But Satan does the same thing. I mentioned this morning about the rod of Moses being turned to a snake and Pharaoh's uh, sorcerers turning their rods to snakes. There is that. There is that. So people are going to believe it. You want to draw a crowd today? Advertise a healing service. Advertise a healing service. People will show up. You know why? They want to believe there is a miraculous healing coming. They'll show up with or without any ailments. They want to see it go. They And that's what's going to happen here. That's exactly what's going to happen. His miracles. That's what I want you to see. I also want you to see in verses 14 and 15, his motives. In verses 14 and 15, the whole drive of this guy is to get them to worship the Antichrist and ultimately the the, uh, devil himself. He does all of this stuff, these miracles, his smooth talk. He does all of this to get the world to worship the Antichrist, and they fall for it. They fall for this deception. Those who refuse, whether they're Christians or Orthodox Jews... They're going to be killed. Now, the 144,000, we mentioned that this morning, 144,000, they're not going to be touched by the devil or Antichrist or anybody else until God's done with them. Same with the two witnesses in Jerusalem. When God's done, they're going to be killed. But up until then, but Christians across the board, normal Christians like you and me, if we're in, if a person has been saved during the tribulation period, it's going to be open season on them. They will be hunted down and killed By this Antichrist, this one that the false prophet keeps pushing. In in that day, here's how I think it's going to go. I think in that day, you're either going to worship the Antichrist or you're going to be executed. If they catch you, you're either going to worship Antichrist or you're going to be executed. That's it. The Bible says that he has the power to make war with the saints and overcome them. He's not going to be building any jails. We're building jails and bigger prisons around our country. Antichrist is not going to do that. He's going to, he's going to kill them. They're going to die. In fact, the book of Revelation, haven't we studied this already? There is an innumerable number of people that are going to be tribulation saints martyred for the cause of Christ, and they're going to show up in heaven. Who are those people over there? Who is that huge, massive crowd, John asks? Those are, those are they that died during the tribulation period for Christ. Massive amount of people, not jailed. Antichrist, the false prophet, it's going to culminate in mass executions all over the place. To say that the world is heading for dark days is an understatement, isn't it? The great influence of this this beast number two, it can't be overstated. He's going to come in preaching love and tolerance, and can't can't we just come together and worship one God? And look, here he is. He was dead and now lives again. Let's worship him, and everybody's going to fall for it except those who have their names written in the, book, in the book of life. What do we do with this tonight? What, what, do we do with, what do we do with this information? That brings us to the end of verse number 15. What do we do with it? The end of verse 15 is, you don't worship the image of that beast, you're going to be killed. Man, 
Here's, here's where I want to leave off with you tonight. And this is just an encouragement to you. Jesus Christ has not come back yet. There's still time to be saved if you're not. But you're a Sunday night crowd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to think that you're, you know Christ as your Savior. I'm hoping you do. So what do I do with, what, what does the Christian do? What do I do as a Christian with this information? Here's my application for you tonight. It is vital for us to be discerning as to the teachers, preachers, and authors to whom we give our attention and our money. That's what I want you to walk away with tonight. If you are a Christian, this is your application. Today, practice biblical discernment. Not every book you buy in the Christian bookstore is biblical. There are a lot of so-called Christians out there, and their religion is not biblical. They're moving away from that word Christian. They're staying away from the name Jesus. We will do our best until he comes to make much of Jesus. That's how scripture says, that's how John's epistle says, this is how you're going to know whether or not you're in sync or not. What do they say about Jesus Christ? Practice discernment. False teachers are slick. They make some of the best bait there is out there. To to a bass, any night crawler looks good. And the hook is always hidden. False teachers know not to give you 100% false doctrine. Watch out for them. Most of the New Testament writers, starting at the book of Romans and going forward, most of the New Testament writers say, say that false teachers are motivated by one of two things. Money or immorality. I want you to apply that to the false teachers today. They, Adrian Rogers said they use the Lord's vocabulary and the devil's dictionary. They're saying words you're familiar with, but they have no intention of using them the same way. They're motivated by money or they're motivated by sex. It is true every time. Why do you think there are... There are preachers and teachers and pastors and authors that are flying around the world today in a private jet that is 100% paid for. And they're wanting you to send your money to them. They've got a $3 million house here. They've got a $4 million house here and a penthouse over there. They're in it for the money. And they will say whatever they have to say. When, when false prophet comes, he's not in it for money. He's not in it for immorality. He's in it to deceive the world to the point of destruction. Church, be discerning. Open your eyes. Open the word of God. Not books about the Bible. Open your Bible. Amen. Read it. Study it. The Bible never tells you to read itself. The Bible doesn't say you need to read this every day. The Bible does not say that. The command is to study the Bible and to meditate on it. The only way I or you will have the discernment we need to avoid false teachers that are trying to lead us to destruction, the only way is to know the truth. Know the truth. You get it by studying it. You get it by meditating on it. I'm all for reading your Bible. You want to read your Bible through in a year? That is fantastic. But do not... Do not skip Bible study. I'm not talking about books about Bible study. I'm talking about you and the Holy Spirit sitting down and opening up to Psalms 119 and making your way through it. Or opening up to John chapter 11 and making your way through it. Studying the Bible. Beware of false teachers. You're finding their books in Christian bookstores and we're falling for it. What's the message we're getting from the Antichrist and the false prophet, especially the false prophet tonight? We're not going to be here when he's here. So why does God tell me to notice this? God's saying the whole world's going to be deceived by this guy. Don't you be deceived by the false prophets that are out there today. That's the message of the middle of Revelation 13. The false prophet, capital F and P, is coming. But we have false prophets today. Discern who they are. Mark them, Paul said, and leave them. 
Avoid them. Expose them. That's one of my great, that's one of my great uh, appreciations of John MacArthur. He will expose a false teacher and make absolutely no apology for it. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, uh, there are a lot of good men. Dr. A.V. Henderson used to, he stood in this pulpit before. Zero tolerance for false teachers. He was a six foot four Texan and he did not care if he hurt your feelings or not. If he thought this man or this woman was a false teacher, you got their name. Watch out for them, church. They're destroying people. They're, they're, they're snatching up new Christians who have no discernment. They're deceiving people into thinking these people are thinking they're saved and they're not. They're putting their hope in a false gospel. Don't do it. All right? Does that make sense? False prophet's dangerous. He's coming, but his forerunners are already in the world today. We need to watch out for them. Let's pray and be dismissed tonight. Can we do that? Let's stand together. You've been sitting for a little while and you've been patient in doing so. Take this word to heart. Go home. Do, do what the Berean Christians did. Go home and search these scriptures and see if what I'm telling you is true. And then act on it. All right? Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the prophecy that we have in it. I am so thankful we're not going to be here as Christians when all of this mess is taking place in the world. This planet is going to, it's going to heave under destruction. And God, I thank you for delivering us from the wrath that is to come. You promised that those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ would not know your wrath. And when it's poured out on this earth, God, I'm thanking you that I'm not going to be here. Help us to be good stewards of this gospel. Help us to know truth when we hear it and heresy when we hear it. Help us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Christ, with those who are on their way to hell right now. Help us not to be selfish with this good news. We ought to be giving it away freely because it came to us freely. Walk with us this week, Lord. We need your discernment. We need your help to do anything. Enable us to do that. And we pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week. And Lord willing, we'll see you on Wednesday.